Welcome to Movement is my constant. In this podcast, I invite movement professionals to share their embodied knowledge through open conversations as an inspiration for organizations and leaders to design and influence the future of work. This close topic between us and the environment defines our path and the way we can move or not. biologist with an interest on evolutionary and development biology. Mariana reached me after she heard previous episodes and she said, Anna, we have to talk. Her enthusiasm is seen through the way she talks about the research she's now starting, which will be about cell development and movement of those cells. So she wanted to explain me what movement means for science and particularly for her research, why movement matters. Through her research, Mariana is trying to answer the question of how cells are affected by the environment where they are and how the environment is affected by those cells. Ultimately, how cells and tissues are coordinated as a whole. As she quotes Aristoteles, the whole is greater than the sum of its parts. Today, we are recording via Skype 2,000 kilometers apart, as she is in Portugal and I am in the Netherlands. Hello, Mariana, and welcome to Movement is My Constant. Hello, Anna. Thank you for receiving me. <laughs> my pleasure. Let's start with that quote uh, from Aristoteles. So, the whole then. Why is movement important in science? Yeah, I think movement is everywhere. At least I'm going to give the biology perspective. There's no biology without movement. So movement starts from the first division. So when the oocyte encounters the, the spermatozoid, they, they fertilize and they have to start dividing. And actually the positions where the cells go, then it matters how the cells start proliferating, meaning dividing in relation to each other, the position that they have in relation to each other, where they are going. And everything has to be very, very coordinated from the perspective of space and time. And kind of space and time is movement, right? So movement fails, let's say like this. Then the organism do not develop. We have problems in our tissues, in our organs, and probably it's not going anywhere than that embryo. That will be the, the first perspective. But mm -hmm. then when the organism is formed, we also need movement. Circulating blood, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> Otherwise, our, our blood needs to circulate. Our heart is pumping. And we need to, to breathe. If we look to cells, and cells have movement inside them. They have mm -hmm. different organelles working and communicating with each other. A cell, or the movement that is inside a cell, has to be coordinated with the movement of the tissue where it is. And the tissue has to be coordinated with the organ where it is, the organ with the organism, ourselves with the environment. So it's not only movement within each individual, but movement between individuals. This whole coordination of everything, it's like, uh, it's, it's really beautiful to, to imagine. Perhaps now going a little bit more uh, personal, why is biology then important for you? And perhaps you can talk a little bit about your background with cancer uh, your, in your research. Why is that important? First, science is important for me and biology is important for me because I, I have the need to understand what is going on around me and what is going on with me. I like to look to things not just like 
A goes to B, for example, but why A goes to B? The A really needs to go to B or is sufficient? Is A sufficient to go to B to have a more deep understanding of the world of life, if I can say like this? Then when um, I studied cancer and, for example, coming back to what I said previously, uh, in development, we study the coordination of cells and of movements in space and time. So if anything fails, kind of we do not have an, an organ formation and the embryo is not fertile. But if something, when as we grow and as organisms, we also have to be tightly coordinated. A cell, for example, it fails its space or it fails its, its time. So if it is the wrong movement, let's call it, what happens is cancer. Okay, so basically cancer is when cells do not go through the rules that uh, us as multicellular organisms are basically. Yeah. What I actually learn is how cells respond to the environment where they are and how the environment is important for those cells. So the crosstalk between two cells and the environment where they are and cancer are very specially in manipulating the environment where they are to actually to grow. So they not only they are dysregulated in space and time as they have the ability to dysregulate whatever is around them. So let me just catch you there uh, and see if I can understand the role of environment. Would you say that environment, the cells can contribute or can influence somehow? Or how uh, much of influence is the environment on a cell that decides, quote-unquote, I shall not follow the rules? <laughs> <laughs> you are right, and I think it's both. Okay, so mm -hmm. you have this, it's called cell-autonomous and non-cell-autonomous perspective of cancer in this case. So the cancer can decide to dysregulate, or actually the environment can be dysregulated and it can promote cancer. The environment actually is made of cells. The environment is nothing. It's okay. It has another thing, but it's also made of cells, and those cells also need to be dysregulated. Why? For example, inflammation actually can be a good thing, but in the wrong place, again, we see, mm. in the wrong place, in the wrong time, it actually can promote cancer. So if we have an inflammatory environment, it can lead to cancer. That's always happening to us, right? There's always a moment where we are at the wrong place at the wrong time. But I think the, the perspective is, if you are thinking as cells individual, I mean, or as the tissue, like as a group of cells, Maybe for the cell individually, the cell is not in the wrong place, mm -hmm. but for the tissue, that cell is in the wrong place and is producing different things. So the environment is telling you do not belong here. And the cell says, well, I don't know what I'm going to do. Yeah, and for example, the immune system should be able to recognize that that cell is not in the right place. But in order to find the answers for your uh, research question, like you already were saying, you're studying cell movements and you've explained me the deformability during the development of the eye in zebra fish. Can you explain the concept of deformability in development? The group that I'm going to join now, or that I'm joining now in this moment, is working in the development of the retina in the eye. And what happens actually in the in the time window that we are studying now, the eye has already the shape as we know, so it's round shape. What is going on is that the cells inside that are going to proliferate and until the point that the tissue can be more crowded. 
Mm-hmm. And imagine that we are going to the subway and we can be with all the space that we want, but suddenly everyone gets in, gets in, and we kind of squeeze inside, right? With the nuclei inside the cell, that's what I'm going to study, if the tissue gets crowded, the nuclei has to adapt to kind of the forces that the others are doing. What I'm going to study, if it's necessary for the nuclei to be deformable or not, because as you imagine a bridge, like uh, these, those Japanese bridge that they can fluctuate with the wind, and this, actually this fluctuation capacity actually make them more resistant. Oh, yeah. What I'm trying to, to understand here is that if this more fluctuability and fluidity of the tissue actually gives a protection against these crowded environments and to protect the information that is inside or not. So again, the environment again, the environment biology. It's an amazing tool to try to understand how we can be affected by the environment we are in. And this cross talk between us and the environment defines our path and the way we can move or not. That's beautiful. I I really love that perspective you have about it. Just out of curiosity, how did it bring you to a team that works on the eye? Why specifically the eye? Why not other I don't know, parts of the body. I joined the lab precisely because they are studying this crosstalk between a cell and a tissue and the tissue and the cell in the growth of something bigger that is an organ Mm -hmm. that has to be very coordinated in space and time. And why the eye, not is going to be a bit detailed, but it mm-hmm. is an organ that is an epithelial and it's pseudostratified, right. meaning that it has only one layer of cells, but the nuclei can acquire different positions, like that is stratified, but it's not. Mm-hmm. This is one of the tissues that allows those kind of studies. It still relates to cancer, or does it relate in a broader sense to any diseases that have its base on what happens to a cell that is deregulated? What we observe is that a lot of diseases actually they happen using the same pathways that are used in development. So it seems that those pathways are very robust. They are necessary for things go right. But I think cancer is a special case there, and it actually acquires embryonic properties, hmm. as we say. So the cells stop to be to be differentiated, and what I want what I mean with differentiated is like. A, like a, a fate, the determined fate, they kind of lose that determined fate, they lose identity to be more pluripotent and to be more broad, if, if, if you can say like this. Mm-hmm. So they lose identity. Mm-hmm. So actually at the same time they lose, who am I? <laughs> what am I going to do now, right? So they stop, they stop like to, to know where they are or where, what, to, what to do, what should I do? Okay. Are they recognized by the immune system? Some yes, others no. Okay. <laughs> so for example, now they are they developed and it was the Nobel Prize the last year. They developed the immunotherapies. Mm-hmm. And what happens in cancer is that cancer activates the blockers of the immune system. Mm-hmm. And those drugs, what they want to do is to block the blockers. And by doing that, the immune systems get reactivated again. Basically, your immune system gets activated again and starts being able to recognize those cells. The problem is that we have a lot of those mechanisms, right? <laughs> we have a lot of those mechanisms. What do you mean? 
I mean, that one drug is not enough for everything and probably a cancer acquires two, three, four different mechanisms to immunosuppress the immune system. So we don't know yet all of those mechanisms. We are going on that way, but step by step. How was the journey for you of coming to your research question? In other work that I participate, I saw that all the environment is more inflammatory and only by having more inflammation, if you put cancer cells there, that's a cancer cells progress faster than an environment that is not inflammatory. All of this brought me to the importance of the tissue, the environment where they are, the context, all that idea that again, space and time matter. It's not, we are not isolated cells. And so I decided I have, what I have to study is this communication between cells and a specific context because otherwise it, it makes no sense. Of course. Or at least for me, it makes not that sense. Of course. I'm creating all these metaphors in my head while you're speaking and thinking, yes, of course, nothing matters in solitude or, you know, in... in... On its own, it's, it's a whole crosstalk, of course. Yeah. And at the same time, for me, what I'm saying to you, you are receiving in a certain way, but then whoever is going to listen to the podcast, mm-hmm. maybe is going to receive in a different And if I say to different groups of people, the context matters. As Aristotle was saying, the whole is bigger than the sum. I decided to try to bring this question of cells and the environment where they are to the development context. And the question that you make is, what is right? what it's necessary to happen for this crosstalk actually be balanced and work in the formation of something bigger like an organ in this case. You also gave me a few references. I was looking through a lot of videos of uh, incredible cell formations and movement. You also shared one of the researchers who is in your institute and he also mentioned the movement of cells And I particularly liked reading in the description the orchestral. I agree totally. Imagine that you go to a concert and suddenly the piano is not on the right stand, right? (laughs) Does it make sense? (laughs) No. (laughs) Everything has to be, again, on the right time, right? In music, we have those all those times. Right time, the right note on the right time with the others, all the others. Otherwise, it's not the same music. He actually is doing uh, an amazing work. It's more in the tissue mechanics. How important is the density of the tissue where some cells are proliferating to lead this proliferation? So imagine that you are walking in the sand. Sand is not as dense. You have to put more energy. You will walk slower than if you are just in the street that is very dense and you can run very easily, for example. So he found that in a very important process of uh, development. Because you just talked about tissues. Is there anything you could uh, help me understand about the fascia and where do you, what do you associate it when we talk about movement? I can give you the perspective of energies in cells, right? In organisms, you need energy and cells need energy. And the way they, one of the ways they have energy is like what we call metabolism. So you have glucose, meaning you have sugars and you have a reaction. A reaction happens, you produce those molecules that are called ATP and let's say they are storage for energy. And then you have a lot of reactions. 
our muscles to contract or not to contract those molecules called myosin yeah. think that they are like small men with big shoes walking <laughs> in some filaments right <laughs> what happens is that those big shoes are pulling the filaments and to pull they actually need those ATP molecules and by pulling we can contract our muscles it is amazing I'm going to share that video when I saw it I was like what this is happening every time I I don't know I go running or I <laughs> I go dancing it's really beautiful oh, when you contract your muscles in yeah. the face it happens it's incredible we were talking about energy everything in biology has a cost everything in the world has a cost right so yeah. in biology it will not be different and one example is bacteria then you can do evolutionary studies the two important things in bacteria will be to reproduce and reproduce correctly so they want to reproduce better than their friends because they want to keep the genome or the identity but the faster you reproduce more likely it is to have mistakes and to reproduce in the wrong way you need a lot of energy to both okay. either proliferate or to correct your mistakes so there's a balance you need a balance to see what is better for you i am feeling like i am the bacteria so i need to <laughs> <laughs> I need to kind of balance out my energy and uh, take things slowly. Do cells have intuition? Intuition, that's what do you mean by intuition? <laughs> <laughs> that's a good thing. Cells have the ability to sense where they are and how they are. Okay. I'm not sure if I would call intuition to that. There's different mechanisms to do that. They can sense, for example, if they are getting sick. If they are getting sick, they can activate different mechanisms to repair themselves. They can communicate to the others that they are sick. Maybe they will be able to call the help of other cells. Not sure if I would call that intuition, but... <laughs> it sounds intuition to me. How would you see that in the moment of observation or research? For example, to repair yourself, you activate different pathways and we can detect those pathways. If you make a cut in the fin of the zebrafish, for example, you create a wound there and you can see the tissue needs to repair and you can actually visualize different cells going there. For example, inflammatory cells mm -hmm. going there to help. And then if you block those inflammatory cells, the wounds will have problems. How would you define a pathway? A pathway? <laughs> That's one of those words that we use all day. <laughs> pathway like a cascade of events that need to occur. Imagine to you to wake up in the morning until you get out from your house, you have certain things that you do, like a routine. If you are jogging or if you are going out just to work, you follow different pathways. When we talked about stagnation, that I really wanted to understand as well and he said well if a cell is not moving then it's uh, really doing nothing in the body what words can we use here what does it mean stagnation I think it's just different time scales maybe we are not looking in the right time in my view I cannot imagine stagnation is exactly stagnation not moving if it's not moving why is there if it's doing nothing why is there maybe it just has some impact some effect but in a different time scale and we are we cannot see is the the rocks in the beach right they mm -hmm. are there since i remember they will be slightly different but i cannot recognize the difference exactly and they are also alive in their stillness space and time that we're not seeing could really shift the way we perceive being stagnant and why do we need movement as well the last time we talked you introduced me to a few concepts we talked about necessity and sufficiency variability 
and directionality. I just wanted you to help me explain what they mean and why are they important. In biology, what in research biology, what we do is that we make questions of necessity and sufficiency in time and space. What do I mean by this? So necessity is when we try to see if A is necessary to B happen, for example. And how do you test that? You take out A and then you, you cannot see B. It will mean that A is necessary for B. And sufficiency is I only need A and if I have A, I will have B. And of course, it is in time and space because all biology goes on those two axes. The one was variability, and I remember that I was talking about evolution. So then we have to jump for a different scale. And the individual will not be cells, and we will talk about populations, how genes propagate through populations. And there's a concept that, that is fitness. Fitness in evolution is a, a little bit different, but let's think about fitness as a fitness guy that goes to the gym. We usually think that someone is very fit if it actually does the best time, is very the strongest. And in biology, we thought at, until some point exactly the same, that the fitness will be the one that has the best genes for reproduction. But there's another idea that comes after that, that says the fit is the one that is more able to adapt. If you can adapt from one place to another, actually you are the fitter. Not by being the best in doing something, but you are better if you can adapt. Interesting. There's this uh, plastic ability. Plasticity. Is Plasticity, it. yes. It comes with the variability, right? So you have to have on yourself a bit of variability, not only one singular specific. This idea of different things will allow you to adapt. That will be the advantage of promoting variability. When you talk about having variability, does it depend on the environment? Highly dependent on the environment, I would say. Imagine that your work it's not working. You have to change work. You get unemployed and you need to have another job. Maybe you have to have some variability in your knowledge. In this case, you'll be your soft skills that will allow you to adapt to another, another environment. It gives you an advantage when to respond to the environment. Can you tell me anything about directionality? Two important things is both directionality and stochasticity. Sometimes cells are very direct on the movement that they are doing. They go there very fast and very sharp. Sometimes you look to self, it seems that they are just there in kind of a stochastic movement. And there's evidence in data showing that stochasticity is part of the developmental process. Okay, now it's just an hypothesis. And it's, it's of, uh, in the first time, it's just me. Oh, but I have just random information there. It's not really true. Imagine a, a coin, right? You have 50% of A or B. If for your function, you need A or B in 50% of the times, just by tossing the coin, you will have them. So why not? <laughs> A stochastic process that, that in the end is controlled in its way. This is my vision. Always moving from question to question. Like this ping pong of knowledge in science is so funny, right? You have one idea, but now I'm talking to you and giving my idea to you. You are answering me and I'm receiving different things. Not anymore exactly the same. That's how science moves, actually. One of the resources you shared with me, which was a paper on the hallmarks of cancer, and I found the following. Normal tissues carefully control the production and release of growth-promoting signals that instruct entry into and progression through the cell growth and division cycle, thereby ensuring a homeostatic
presence of cell numbers and thus maintenance of normal tissue architecture and function. Cancer cells, by deregulating these signals, become masters of their own destinies. Coordination is about rules, is it? It is, it is. You have to follow rules. So we are very similar to each other and that's only possible because we follow more or less the same rules with some variability. With cancer is that it decides to not follow that rules and some of the rules exactly that should I divide now or sh I shouldn't divide now? Am I sick now? It's very important to a cell and also we can talk about the society to, for us to recognize when we are sick. Mm -hmm. If we are sick, we have to stop and take the time that is needed and required for us to solve the problem. Then we have also the example to manage energy. If you don't manage energy in the right way, I will be very generalistic now. Yeah. Cancer cells use a lot of sugar to transform it in energy. And that's one of the difference between cancer cells and healthy cells. What do you hope to influence scientifically, maybe in the society as well? The first thing is the critical thinking. So as a scientist, we really need to think in a critical manner. Science is for me the multidisciplinary tool for life and mainly due to the critical thinking allows you to develop. In that way, I, as a scientist, I hope somehow to show to the others a bit of the critical thinking. This is one of the main things that I, I hope as a scientist to, to give to society. Another thing and more related with my research that I will start is to try to unravel some of those rules between how you affect where you are and how the environment actually affects you by uncovering some of those rules that could help find cures for cancer or other diseases, for example. And one idea that I have, one thought, why we don't try to look for some of those rules between individual, talking about cells, and between organs or persons, the formation of an organ in an organism or in the society, why we don't try to use those rules that we learned from biology to try to apply and to balance the different levels in the society. What inspires you beyond science? Music, for sure. I love music. I studied a bit music five years. We talk about the orchestra, so I think we don't need to go very deep on that. But again, music, it's all about the right time and the right space. Yeah. And the sound, it will be it's great. I agree. I think that there's there's a lot of disciplines that can bring to science as science brings back to society. There needs to be more cross-talks in the way that I talk about movement. That's That would be one of the goals. True. Yeah. But cross-talk not only between different fields, but as well between different levels mm -hmm. of each field. And I feel that science is going that way now. I think the big discoveries are about to come. It sounds promising. <laughs> <laughs> it was a pleasure having you here. It's, there's so much to, to talk about, but I hope our listeners manage to have an idea of the benefits of, you know, of science. Of course, everybody knows, but this cross-talking, how it opened up a lot of possibilities Thank you so much for your time and I wish you good luck on your journey through research and uh, probably we will touch again soon to know how it is going. <laughs> exactly, yeah. No, but uh, I'm the one who have to thank you and thank you for letting me bring a bit of science to society that is, I think, is very important and a great part of science as well. And I have to congratulate you for this project. Talking about movement, I think it's a great idea. Thank you so much.